tonight's a uh, very different different night from other nights that we come together as we usually come together celebrating in in the light of the resurrection but as we been traveling through the life and the experiences of of Jesus and as we've walked through his his early years and his early ministry and and his his conflicts as he's brought community around him as he's connected with people and of of all types and how different people have come up to him and identified him as different things they've identified him as as a great teacher, as a healer, as a, as a crazy man, as, as, as someone possessed by Satan. Some looked at him and said, you know what? I think you may be the Messiah. And then we see as he connects with these 12 people who he has central in his life and time, and then even three inside of that 12, and as he builds into them and breathes life into them and, and trying to prepare them for what they were going to experience on this Friday afternoon. You know, it seems that they should have got it. It seems that they should have known. You know, I was just going through the prophecies today, through the Old Testament, all of these prophecies telling about who Jesus was going to be, why he was coming, that, that he, when he got here, he told people why he was here, and it just, it seemed as you, as you read in the account of Scripture, that after we celebrated the, the Last Supper last night, and then we uh, know from the story that, that after he was arrested, that everybody goes into chaos. And the disciples go into this deep, deep despair. And tonight, after this gathering, we're going to be watching, watching a movie that, that's very graphic and that I think does an outstanding job at portraying the physical anguish that the, the man of Jesus went through and the pain and all that. But without the, the, the theological, without, the, without the, the background of why, it just seems like all we would be doing is is clicking on a on a YouTube video watching, you know, just an, another fight or another beating that that has been caught on somebody's cell phone. And what 2000 years ago about Jesus Jesus was was killed about 300 years before that they came up with this gruesome execution style. It, it's basically the low point of humanity, of how to politically 
execute someone in the most humiliating, painful way that they could possibly think of. And you think about the depravity of, of man and, and his, his mind and the depth and how bad can it be. Well, all you need to do is look at the cross. When a man was, was hammered and nailed onto that wood that, that he would suffocate to death, that before that he would be beaten and mocked and all of these things that Jesus went through. We ask ourselves, why? Why did he go through all that? Well, one of the prophecies that I just wanted to share with you tonight is found in Isaiah in chapter 53. And I think that going through this with the background that we all have from going on this journey, going through the journey of Mark, that, that we will be able to be able to pick up and say, oh my gosh, this is incredible. And the amazing thing about Isaiah that it was written 700 years before Jesus even walked this earth and 300 years before crucifixion was ever dreamed up in somebody's nightmare. Verse 1. Who has believed our message? To whom has the Lord revealed his powerful arm? My servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in dry ground. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief, We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised, and we did not care. Yet, it was our weakness he carried. Oftentimes when we watch the movie and we'll see him carrying the cross, we think that he's carrying a cross, but the cross is a metaphor for our weakness, for our lack of attention, our lack of desire to continue the perfect relationship and love that God offers us. It was our weakness he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sin. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed, For our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep and silent before the shears, he did not open his mouth. Unjustly condemned, he was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants, that his life was cut short in midstream. But he was struck down for the rebellion of my people, talking about the Jews and us. 
He had done nothing wrong, and he had never deceived anyone, but he was buried like a criminal, but he was put in a rich man's grave. But it was the Lord's good plan to crush him and cause him grief. Yet when his life is made as an offering for sin, he will have many descendants, and we are evidence of that. He will enjoy a long life in the Lord's good plan this Good Friday will prosper in his hands. When he sees all that is accompanied by his anguish, he will be satisfied. And because of his experience, my righteous servants will make it possible for many to be counted as righteous. For he will bear their sins. I will give him the honor of a victorious soldier because he exposed himself to death. He was counted among the rebels. He bore the sins of many and interceded for the rebels. You guys pray with me. Dear God, as we fast forward 700 years from the time that this was written, this this prophecy that that just seems like It must have been written after the fact, but we know for a fact that it was not. God, we just lose focus so often that this is not a a hazard of, of just one people group, but it is ours. God, I pray as we refocus on this day, as we look at the cross, which you died on. That we will come to realize that this was your plan all the time. And that you walked into this fully aware of what you were about to experience. And you did it anyway. So we could have the opportunity to have a relationship restored with you. In Mark, chapter 15, essentially, we have a parallel, a, a retelling of Isaiah 53. That, that, that basically... We have the prophecy, and now we are having it actually live out in front of us. If we know the story that we know that Pilate washed his hands of it, and we know that, that he was beaten. And then in chapter 16, it says, The soldiers took Jesus into the courtyard of the governor's headquarters and called out the entire regiment. They dressed him in a purple robe and they wove a thorn branches into a crown and put it on his head. Then they saluted him and taunted, Hail, King of the Jews. And they struck him on the head with a reed stick, spit on him and dropped to their knees to mock worship. When they were finally tired of mocking him, They took off the purple robe and put his own clothes on him again. They led him away to be crucified. 
And as we see that, we can remember in Isaiah 53 telling us that this is exactly what was going to happen to this this righteous man, this son of God, who was raised up like a a piece of grass in the a tender piece of grass in the in the dry ground. This symbolism of life coming out of desolation. And as Jesus comes up, this 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 tender piece of grass is beaten and mowed over and mocked. And Isaiah says that he will be led away, led away to slaughter. And here we have the account in Mark as Jesus is led away, not saying a word. A passerby named Simon, who was from Cyrene, was coming in from the courtyard just then, and a soldier forced him to carry Jesus' cross. And they brought Jesus to a place called Golgotha, which means place of the skull. Sounds like a nice place, right? Like ox bottom. They offered him wine drugged with myrrh, but he refused it. Then the soldiers nailed him to the cross. They divided his clothes and threw dice to decide who would get each piece. It was nine o'clock in the morning when they crucified him. A sign was fastened to the cross announcing the charge against him. It read the king of the Jews. Normally, the Romans would, would put what the accused was guilty of. But as we found out in the prophecy that there, there would be accusations, but there would be no guilt. And that this is a political move that's happening. And because they didn't have an actual crime, all they put up there over him in mockery, but ringing of the truth, here is the king of the Jews. Two revolutionaries were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. The people passing by shouted abuse, shaking their heads in mockery. Ha! Look at you now, they yelled at him. You said that you were going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days? Well then, save yourself and come down from the cross. The leading priests and teachers of the religious law also mocked Jesus. He saved others, they scoffed, but he can't save himself. Let this Messiah, the King of Israel, come down off the cross so we can see it and believe him. Even the men who were crucified with Jesus ridiculed him. I just want to bring your mind back to the week when, when Jesus said, look, I am not going to show you any more miracles. I have fed the 5,000. I have healed people. I have done amazing teachings. I have done all of these things. And this is it. I am not going to do any more miracles for you because you know what? You're not going to believe no matter what. And then he says, except I'm going to do one more miracle three days after you come. At noon, 
9, 10, 11, 12, three hours so far, hanging on the cross. Darkness fell across the whole land until 3 o'clock. Now six hours on the clock. Then at 3 o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? I want to pause right there for a second. In the 10 years I've been a pastor, I've had so many different conversations with different people who've been seeking and asking good questions. And one of the questions that I think are the good, just seeking question that I've been asked many times, kind of like an FAQ, frequently asked question is like, what was the big sacrifice for Jesus? He knew that he was going to be raised in three days. He knew that this wasn't the end of the line for him. So why was this such a big deal? Well, outside of the agonizing pain that that he experienced on the cross, I guess that maybe in our minds we might be able to say, well, you know what, if I'm, if I'm just going to be nailed to a cross and tortured and hurt and, and that's just a day in my life and then for, for the rest of eternity people are going to have the opportunity to transcend their transgressions and be able to have the opportunity to connect with God. Well, that seems like a pretty good deal. But you see... When we think like that, we miss the essence of who God is and why this Ali Ali Lama Sabagtani is so anguish and such pain that far surpasses anything that he physically endured. You see, Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit for eternity previous had been in perfect community with one another. That there was no separation at all. That God at his essence is love. God is... in. You can't just love, you have to have a relational thing going on there. So, God's whole existence, which had been for infinity, eternity, had been in relationship with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. Absolute, perfect harmony. It had always been been that way we can't even understand or fathom a perfect relationship in our broken messy world but i guess just to hopefully kind of get a a connection somehow you know all of us have been like in you know kind of just infatuation mode at some time with another human being right that, that there is a connection that we wanted to be with them 24-7 all the time. We wanted to talk with them. They want, we wanted to be with them. And, and when we were apart, 
that, that our, our hearts would break and we would yearn for the time that we could be back with them. Well, that, that feeling, that pain, that hurt, that, 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 that purity of, of relationship, that, that, that looking forward to, that, that, that fulfillment that you receive when you have a relationship with someone and it is going right, I think we would all say that we wouldn't trade that if we're healthy. We wouldn't trade that for anything. Because when your relationship with those who you love and who you are in community with is not right, then nothing is right. So multiply that. And I know that we cannot possibly conceive of the purity of this relationship between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. But if we can try to just stretch our minds as far as we can to try to grab on just for an instance, just for a second, that we have this absolutely pure union and one of its members is torn away. And the pain for God, the Father, must have been so great. But the loneliness and isolation and pain of Jesus, well, we know that it literally broke his heart. We know that medically because we know when his heart exploded while he was on the cross that, that when they pierced him, blood didn't come out, but water did. And modern science has revealed that that's what happens when somebody's heart literally breaks. Some of the bystanders misunderstood and thought he was calling for the prophet Elijah. One of them ran and filled a sponge with sour wine, holding it up to him on a reed stick so he could drink. Wait, he said, let's see whether Elijah comes to take him down. Then Jesus uttered another loud cry and breathed his last. John records that his last cry was this, it is finished. The reason that Jesus came, that he had completed his task. And the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from the top to the bottom. And when the Roman officer who stood facing him saw how he had died, he exclaimed, this man truly was the Son of God. So as we're watching the movie and we're seeing all of this transpire, you see what Jesus did on the cross because of who he was and what he endured. That the symbol of separation, we talked about this last week, about the temple, the Holy of Holies, 
How the closer you got into the Holy of Holies and the closer you got to the center of the temple, the closer you became to God. And in Jesus' last words and as he yells out in despair and loneliness and isolation, he screams out, it is finished. And the symbol of separation between us and our humanity and our human experience here on earth and of God, the Creator, tore into. Because Jesus paid the price, the relational price and the physical price, Why? So that we could have the opportunity to once again be in fellowship with Him. You guys pray with me. God, I just uh, shudder at the the pain that you experience, the physical pain, and I just know that it's it's nothing compared to the emotional and relational pain. As everyone you knew on earth turned away and ran away and denied you, as people spat on you, those who were just days earlier cheering you, yelling Hosanna, are now yelling, crucify him, crucify him as you were nailed to the cross, and as you took on the transgressions of the world, as Isaiah wrote, you could no longer be part of the Trinity. Because what is not pure cannot exist in truth your life. God, I just pray that you prepare our hearts and our on our minds as we as a community kind of experience the the historical just reality of the crucifixion and then after that as we as a community start a 34 hour just prayer vigil as we in earnest wait And God, I am so excited about just the path that you opened up for us at Leon so we can just rejoice in your resurrection. And as we can go forward in the reality of your resurrection every day. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.